ask you this, Kraval. What are you willing to sacrifice to get this power? But the creature just says, Defend yourself. And we need to roll initiative. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so the first one is... Wow. <laughs> yeah, there you go, listeners. That's what you never want to hear your dungeon master say to you when you're doing a one-on-one. <laughs> Honestly, there's nothing I wouldn't sacrifice for my family. I call them my war party, but they're my family. Chapter 258. What happened to Kraval? Okay. Well, we're being a little quiet now because we're doing a very interesting episode. So, uh, Drew... Yes. Something happened to Craval in the last episode. Uh, why don't you go quickly over again the physical changes that manifested, and then we'll get back to what happened to manifest those changes. Craval went through what I'm going to refer to as a divine metamorphosis. Um, he went from looking like a traditional dragonborn to looking more like a half-dragon, for those of that own a monster manual, you'll understand what I mean by that. The most obvious right off the bat were his legs, which instead of uh, moving what to what I would co- kind of refer to as like a Tyrannosaurus Rex style of movement, he now has two humanoid legs similar to a human being's and with the appropriate knees, except for basically down at the calves and ankles, he still retains somewhat of the three toes and the more Tyrannosaurus slash Raptor type of feet. Um, he has uh, his whole outer scales have changed and all his uh, scars that saying his honors have changed down into these thin uh, divine light webbing of sorts so that in the right light, he kind of glimmers ever so slightly and they're just, they're really, really thin except for the marking of Nuwata, which is a blazing symbol upon his left peck. And right above that is the station of uh, what he has earned in the Dragonborn Nation of Warchief. He uh, has claws where he normally had uh, blunted like fingernails, but now they're more, uh, I think we kind of went with them being retractable, but I'm not totally sure if that's the the, the design and the, and the feet of uh Dragon skin. So that's what we're going to call it, yeah. But we're going to call it that because yeah. it sounds cooler. He's got kind of Wolverine claws on a small scale. Yes, but out of his finger, out of his fingertips. Actually, probably more like um, in the movie with the, his brother had him, the mm-hmm. claws that tracked it. I can't remember what the heck. Sabretooth yeah. claws. So he has to get used to a whole new body. He's grown a few more inches. He's a lot thicker. Um, his snout his jawline has become more pronounced into a point you know still blunted it's still more pronounced and his head is more triangular to reflect that of his dragon heritage than of his dragon born heritage so it's a bit off-putting for him and um he wasn't aware that would be part of the change so now he's basically literally has to get used to his own skin again yes very good but none of that has happened yet 
Um, we're going to drop back to everybody had just dropped off to sleep. Um, and you're headed for the Tabaxi Treehouse um, from the failed attempt at finding uh, the uh, possible portal to the underworld. And uh, so you're traveling over the Mare Arenosum in the middle of the night. Um, and uh, the rocking of the ship puts you all to a, a wonderful slumber. Um, and that's where you are. And Creval, your eyes open up. And something's not right. You can't quite put your finger on it right away, but something's definitely not right. And then you realize what it is. You, you can feel the rocking of the ship beneath you back and forth yeah, in this nice little cradle-like motion. And it's not the sounds that woke you, but the lack thereof. Now, normally, as the ship is going through the air, you know, the uh, rocking of the ship causes the rigging to creak under the, uh, the strain of moving back and forth. And you can hear the propellers whirring in the aft part of the ship. But none of that's happened. It's absolutely quiet. And it's the quiet, apparently, that wakened you and is a little bit unnerving. I will carefully and cautiously look around slowly getting to my feet as silently as Creval can feeling as though something isn't quite right not being completely oblivious and so you sit up in your uh, bed and then kind of gingerly get to your feet and everything is exactly the way it was your companions are still sleeping in their bunks um, you know as, as usual um, Thrax is sleeping on top of uh, Sorzak's face and um, but as you look around you realize something is not visually right and actually as you squint your eyes you realize you can just barely see through the solid parts of the ship and even your companions as, as you look you can actually if you squint your eyes just enough you can actually see the moving of the desert lands underneath you through the ship but just ever so barely it's as if the ship is just a little bit little insubstantial i will cautiously reach for my weapon mm -hmm. and i'm actually going to be sending out a small pulse from divine sense and to see if maybe a low might be causing this okay and so that that gets celestials, divine, and undead, undead, and and aberrations and things like that. Yeah, uh -huh. and um, as usual, you get the a little ping off of Sorzak, although it is muted. I mean, almost as if you know, like a sound through a fog. But what you do get from behind you at the aft part of the ship you get a celestial hit that is so strong it almost staggers you. You almost take an involuntary step forward. Shift on the upper parts of my clawed feet and shift my weight forward and around so that I'm facing it and begin to stalk toward it. Okay. And so you come to the cabin door and you wrap your clawed fingers around the door handle and... Once again, it, it's sort of the same sensation you have listening to a sound that's kind of muted in the fog. It seems, you know, 
terribly far away and distant. Um, it's the same sort of feeling. You're grabbing that knob. You know the knob is in your hand, but as you turn it, it's like almost like it's not there. It's the, the weirdest sensation. But you do turn the handle and you pull the door open. And there's a couple of steps up onto the aft um, part of the uh, main deck there where the captain's position is and the, the wheel and, and all that. And you don't see any of the crew there. But there is somebody there at the controls. And what really stands out, they're kind of a dark, shadowy figure here in the, in the night. There's no illumination on the deck. But you can quite clearly see that one of their hands is glowing bright silver. And you know that this must be Nuwada. I shouldn't be surprised that you should be able to pilot one of these. And he says, no, Craval. It is well within my capability. Well, what are you doing down there? You've prayed to me and given me a request. Should not the lead cleric of the warrior god be willing to face his deity? Well, of course. But I wouldn't be the lead cleric of a warrior god if I foolishly headed into a possible conflict without first verifying my target. Very wise. And you just see him raise that silver hand and he snaps his fingers. And all of a sudden you're just standing next to him. And he says, now do you believe? And he just holds that silver hand out towards you. Well, I said, I never not believed. Your presence is one that I've come quite accustomed to. But still, you better than anyone would know the conflict of which I currently find myself and my hunting party within. So I don't think you'll fault me for a momentary bit of caution. Of course not. Now, why have you summoned me here, Kraval? A simple request with a complicated reason behind it should you want it. I've found myself doubting my own strengths recently. Um, Doubt in a warrior is a very great handicap. Yes. Um, I'm sure you were aware of our conflict amongst the giant creatures in the clouds. Yes, I was with you there. And then you were most definitely aware that I seem to have uh, run out of power of sorts. Uh, my barbarian skills did come into play, but I could not help but think that my clerical abilities would have served me much better had I had the chance to follow you from birth as opposed to having to wait till the later part of my years. Very good. So what is it that you ask of me? For I am inclined to give you a boon. Life has taught me that there can never be get one thing can never be asked for without first offering something in return. There's always a balance well within life and nature, even in war. You can't strike without expecting to be struck. 
Once again, very wise words. I thought long and hard upon this, so know that I did not say these words lightly, but I thought that if you were so inclined, perhaps you would allow me to delve deeper into the wellspring of your power. I think, honestly, that that would be beneficial to my party. But I am unsure as to the cost that you would ask of me to allow me to do such. Well, I think a reward of having you serve me even greater would be a temptation for any god. But yes, there is always a cost. If for me to burn away your former self, it will not be an easy task, even for myself. In order to do this, Creval, you must prove yourself to me. You must prove yourself to be a warrior. And I ask you this, Creval, what are you willing to sacrifice to get this power? And before you can even answer, all of a sudden, it's as if his body begins to grow. And you're a pretty tall creature to begin with, just a tad under seven feet. But all of a sudden, you're looking at a huge muscle-bound creature. It's humanoid, but with mongoloid features. And there's just muscles burning out all over. And it has skin of a deep green color. And you realize it's holding a flaming battle axe. And you look around and you realize that you're no longer on the deck of the ship, but on some sort of desert plain, although it's not the talcum powder desert of the Mare. So where you are, you don't know. But the creature just says, defend yourself. And we need to roll initiative. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Oh, not good. Oh, wait, advantage. Better, 14. Okay. Very good. And so it brings its axe up to swing, but you get to move first. What are you going to do? Um, judging from the size, I would imagine stepping back is still going to keep me within its range, right? Yes. You guys are pretty much toe-to-toe as you were with uh, Nuada. Um, the first thing I'm going to do is activate spiritual guardians and bring forth the spirits of former draconic warriors and they'll start spinning around me mm-hmm. and one moment please while i tell you exactly what that does spiritual guardians yes uh they flit around you to a distance of 15 feet for the duration i already told you what they look they look more angelic dragonborn um wisdom saving throw and on a save you take half damage okay and i believe that while in this uh, sphere, your movement speed is halved when you enter the air for the first time or start your turn there. Okay. Very good. So your spiritual guardians appear and the warrior spirits of old go and uh, surround you, swinging their weapons in, in uh, a broad arc. And then it's the creature's turn to go. And it just raises the uh, battle axe and it is a fearsome weapon as he rears it back just you know this you you know that that flame sound just whoosh of, of it coming back there so he needs to make a wisdom saving throw mm-hmm. 
uh, with the Guardians. Yes, sir. And that is a 13. Does that do it? That will fail. Okay. Not great. 10 points of radiant damage. Okay. And he just shrugs that off. It doesn't seem to notice it at all. And he uh, goes and swings the uh, axe at you three times. Oh, boy. The first one is a 23. Most definitely. The second one is only a 14. That will miss. And the third one is a 10. That will miss as well. So the first one connects solidly, but the next two just kind of uh, swing wildly. And it seems to be a creature mainly of fury mm-hmm. and anger and just uh, swings with uh, with a uh, distinct, uh, distinct disregard. Um, and... It does 14 points of uh, slashing damage mm-hmm. and then um, 10 points of fire damage. Ouch. That's, as he connects you that one time. That is no bueno. And is uh, Spiritual Guardian's concentration or duration? It is concentration. Okay. And duration. Uh, that would be a 20 non-natural. That should do it, right? Yeah. Well, but you did a... Uh, 15 on the 20, first one. You did 27 total mm-hmm. damage, halved his... We'll call it 14. Yeah, so 20. Okay. Very good. Okay, and then it's your turn again. Uh, realizing I don't want to take any more of those blows and that the Spiritual Garden did not do nearly as much damage as I hope, uh, we're going to change something. I'm going to try something a little different since he's being a monster and all. Um, I'm going to attempt to cast Hold Monster on him. Okay. So that would be a uh, uh, wisdom saving throw yet again. Okay. And actually, I'm not even going to roll because it doesn't seem to affect him. Okay. Um, then I will just wait for the next series of blows. Okay. And he swings on you again. Um, and this time just comes in swinging wildly. So an, an eight, a 10, and an eight. So just yeah. you're able to dodge to the side and the axe buries in the ground and then he brings it back up again in an upper stroke and you're able to duck it and then again the same thing into the ground and then it's your turn again um yeah so that did not work nearly as good as i hope it would so uh charisma i think it is saving throw this is probably a really bad idea but we're gonna try it anyway it is a yep charisma saving throw Okay. And I'm going to try to banish him back to where he comes from. Okay. And once again, it doesn't seem to work. All right. Nothing like wasting spell slots. <laughs> yes. And he swings on you second. again. Yep. And um, so a little bit better this time. So an 11, a 16, and a 24. 11, a 16, 24. 16 and 24 both hit. Okay. So the second one um, collides with you pretty soundly mm-hmm. for uh, 17 points of slashing damage and Ouch. 10 points of fire damage. Ouch. And then the last one collides with you about the same for 16 points of slashing damage and 11 points of fire damage. Ouch. Where are you at? Not good. 53. Okay. And your turn. Um, I will immediately cast Cure Wounds at level five upon myself. Okay. So let's hope the dice are nice to me. Uh, let's see, it's three, four, yeah. 
No. Oh. <laughs> a grand total of 18 hit points back. Perhaps Nuad is not pleased with you. Apparently not. At least the dice gods aren't. Yes. So um, apparently what you're doing is not making him happy. No. Okay. And uh, it goes and does three more swings on you. Um, and once again, first one is a little wild at 10, but then um, 14 and 24 again. The 14 will miss, but the 24 will hit. Okay. So he connects with you once in that sequence. Um, ooh, solidly this time, though, for 22 points of slashing damage and nine points of fire damage. Ouch. Uh huh. Well, uh, I literally don't think I have anything and this is a the sword is fire but he's green he's green yeah like so kind of like um some sort of mongoloid um orc from world of warcraft basically gotcha but but 10 feet tall and bulging with hulk style muscles mm-hmm. bonus action i will cast spiritual weapon okay See if this works. So I'll cast it at level four, which will give me a 2d8 hammer. And I'll try to swing to hit him. 18. You definitely hit him. Jesus. Uh, oh, wait. We, should, we were supposed to do spiritual guardians during each one of those Oh, no. Rounds, I dropped too. it on hold, uh, oh, hold monster. Hold monster. Okay. Dropped it. That's why I haven't done it. Okay. So that's six points of force damage. Okay. And then on my action, I'll take the defensive action. Okay. And just defend? Yep. Okay. So he'll get a disadvantage on his attacks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next round, first attack with disadvantage is an at one. Awesome. Second second attack with disadvantage is a 15. Does that hit? That hits. Okay. And third attack with disadvantage is an eight. That so he misses. does connect once. And... This one kind of fair to Midland, so uh, just 14 points of slashing damage, but 11 points of fire damage. Ouch, that is not good. Um, I still have everything on me from when I went to sleep, right? You seem to. All right, cool. Um, oh, I can't do it. Okay, so... Yeah. Oh, man, that's really not good. Uh... <laughs> try cure wounds at level four okay because i can't think of anything else to do i gotta get some 15 21 back to me all right and then bonus action swing the hammer okay 21 yes i meant to ask you when I swing with this, I think you posted your spell modifier, but that does not include proficiency, correct? I believe that's the way we figured it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just make sure I'm matting this right. Oh, man. These dice do not like me today. Nine points of hit damage. Okay. That's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, still not really showing much damage on him. I wouldn't think so. And uh, he swings back at you. And this time, he has kind of ranged you in. Mm-hmm. So 24, 20, and 21. Oh, yeah. So the first one is actually kind of a weak hit at 14 points of slashing damage, and but 11 points of fire damage. Yep. The second one, a little bit better at uh, 
15 points of unconscious slashing and 11 points of fire unconscious and he just you know chops you down to the ground and you wake up and you realize it wasn't the lack of or the sound that was waking you up but the lack of sound that wakes you up in your bunk the airship is just completely silent normally you hear the creaking of the rigging and so forth the whirring the propellers but you're not hearing any of that get up look around very confused and it's the same experience as before you if you squint your eyes you can just kind of basically see through your companions and the walls of the ship hmm get up turn around walk back to the aft of the ship where and Nuwata was there's Nuwata sitting there guiding the ship as if nothing's happened and he says hello again Craval Nuwata not well done no not no. what I was expecting from one of my devoted disciples let us try this again and let me ask you one more time what are you willing to sacrifice to get your end. My end? Your end goal. Your desire. What are you willing to sacrifice to get your desire? And then in a flash, once again, he is the large green creature with a flaming axe. And you realize you have all your hit points and all your spell slots mm. and all your abilities as if nothing had happened previously. And uh, you get to go first again. Oh, boy. Uh, so right off the bat, then, knowing how hard he hits, I will cast aid at level five, which will give me 20 more hit points. And then as a bonus action, I'll rage. Okay. Because I still have it. And then I will beckon him forward. Okay. And... He also seems to go into a rage as you do that, mm -hmm. and he swings on you, this time with advantage. So the first one is a 22. Hit. The second one is a nat 20. Oh, jeez. And the third one is a 16. All those hit. Okay. So the first one is, ooh, 23 points of slashing damage and 10 points of fire damage. Okay. The second one with the nat 20. It's going to really hurt. 32 points of slashing damage. <sighs> and 16. Um, 12 points of fire damage. Okay. And the third one. Um, pretty pretty darn weak. It just barely nicked you. So 11 points of slashing damage and 6 points of fire damage. Ouch. That was a lot. Uh, I'm going to think on this for a minute. I'm going to drop my rage. And I'm going to drop my weapon. And I'm just going to look at him kind of cock my head quizzically like honestly there's nothing I wouldn't sacrifice for my family I call them my war party but they're my family and the creature just says 
very good and just rears back with its um its uh blade again and hits all three times again and you see the fire just kind of increase exponentially as it's swinging this time so the first one is wow <laughs> yeah, there you go listeners that's what you never want to hear your dungeon master say to you when you're doing a one-on-one <laughs> 31 points of slashing damage and Yinch. 13 points of fire damage ow do i owe him money and the second one is oh wow again 42 points of slashing damage and 15 points of fire damage. Oh, that's that's all it needs. Yeah, I don't have that. And up. once again, the the um blade just comes slashing down mm-hmm. and everything goes black and you wake up in your bunk. And it's not the noise that wakes you up, but the lack of noise. Cuz normally the sounds of the rigging make a noise in the propellers. But it's absolutely quiet. Get up. Leave my weapon where it's at. Just walk back to where I know no water to be. Yeah, he's waiting for you there. And as you approach, he says, Very good, Creval. I think you've answered the question. What are you willing to sacrifice to get this advantage? I would sacrifice all that I've ever known. And that is the correct answer. You must be willing to sacrifice everything. And he reaches out with his silver hand and his finger just touches you right in the center of your chest. And all of a sudden the world turns into pain. Pain like you've never experienced before. And you involuntarily cry out you can't even stop it not even you the war leader of this of the snow owls and the pain starts in the center of your chest where he touched you and you just radiates across all of the scars of your body from one end to the other and it is almost like your entire body is at once freezing to death and on fire at the same time and the fl- the flames can see you know consume your entire body and all of a sudden everything just turns red with the entire fire that it that is but then in the back of your mind in this kind of quiet part of your mind where you almost never go you hear Nevada's calm voice talking to you and he says i am burning away the part of your past, which is of not use to me. You will be reborn with a new body and new power to follow me more thoroughly than you have ever done before. Well done, Creval. And then everything goes black. (laughs) And then you wake up to the sounds of the, your companions awakening in the ship. And that's where we're going to stop today.
Dungeon Master's Notes. Okay, well, um, obviously we had a Groundhog Day situation here with it going over and over again until Creval got it right. Um, I was kind of worried about how this was going to go. I mean, it could go one of two ways that horribly. It could either A, the person figures out the puzzle right away and it's like 10 minutes long and okay that was dull or it could be a case where the player doesn't figure it out until you pretty much lay it in their lap and four hours later you're still sitting there waiting for them to get it so you want to actually drop the solution right away um, if you remember way back when when we had the problem with the poison grain in Porta Magnum, I actually dropped the solution to the problem or the critical hint right away, but then the party uh, chose to ignore that as a red herring. But this time I told him right away, what are you willing to sacrifice? And you always are kind of a little on your toes when you do that. It's like, you don't want to make it too easy because then they'll figure it out right away. You don't want to make it too hard because then they'll figure it out four hours later. But uh, this time it all worked out just right. Yes, Creval figured out what he had to sacrifice to get the powers he wanted was everything. And because he was willing to sacrifice everything, Nawada took away the part that he didn't want to give him more power. So anyways, that's what happened to Creval and why he's the changed person that he is now. What's going to happen now that he has his refreshed powers? Well, we'll just have to wait for the next episode to find out. Until then, rate us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Email us at relicofthepastpodcast at gmail.com with questions or comments. Follow us at Relic of the Past or Relic of the Past Podcast on your social media feeds. And thank you for playing in the world that lives inside my head.